Okay, so we we spoke about a few different things over here. Uh, I just want to give some practical uh, suggestions or semi semi practical suggestions. Could you be practical? And when you when you're challenged with something, you find something challenging. Um, and some of them will work, some of them will, won't work, some of them will work sometimes. When it doesn't work, you try something else, etc. Okay, um, first step is, um, and this is going to sound a little bit, little bit uh, intense over here, that uh, I had to get, um, I had a, a guy comes to me, he's married, I don't know, less than a year, he's telling me he's thinking about getting divorced. So I said to him, um, uh, I, I don't understand what you're saying. So he said, I want to get divorced. I said, I don't know what the word means. What, what word? I don't know what that word. I'm not familiar with it. So he says, like, a garrison. I said, not familiar. He says, get. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. So okay, what are you trying to say? I says, I'm trying to say there's no such word in your vocabulary. That's what I'm trying to say. There's no such word in your vocabulary. That's what I'm trying to say. You made a commitment. You made a commitment. You deal with it. Now, I'm not saying there aren't scenarios in, mar- in you know, loyal and other marriages which are supposed to end. You know, don't, don't, the Bershom did create such a concept. We, we, don't, we, we, don't, we don't have to go to the Pope right, to get it annulled. Um, but they add, they add some concept that this is a real commitment and you're, you have your responsibility to make this work. That is, it has to be the foundation. There's no, there's no, there's no back door. Once you're in a situation, you'll deal with it. As long as you think there's a back door, so well, I'll deal with it. You know. So that's what I told him. And uh, he came back to me a while later, and he says, you know, he has such a wonderful wife. <laughs> and I said, oh, Hashem. She has a wonderful husband. Um, <laughs> you know, so it was, uh, he, 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 once he made it a real commitment to make the state really put himself into this. You know, this, is, this is commitment. This is loyalty. Was talking about uh, one of his tapes about about the, the Ten Commandments of marriage. You ever, so it's, it's an interesting tape. Um, you can get your hands on it, you know, or, or the CD or recording or whatever, whatever they call it nowadays, podcast. You know, <laughs> all the above. Uh, you know, the iPod. They have the iPod, the Miller iPod. You know, right. right? So he has. A, he has. He has a. Uh, so over there, he says that. Um, if you've ever been in New York, you'll really appreciate this. He says, you know, he has this 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 old old Italian couple walking down Ocean Parkway. He weighs three hundred pounds. She weighs three hundred pounds. Is there romance? There's no romance, but there's loyalty. <laughs> okay. Can you picture him saying that? Yes. <laughs> it's straight on another, right? Is there no, there's no romance, but there's loyalty. Okay. The so first step is for say this is um this is it. Okay. Loyalty. Second piece of advice which is gonna it is go to sleep. You know, why am I saying this? Because there's like there's this piece of, of um wisdom out there about marriage. Never go to sleep angry. Right, just work it out. Right, so at least one place where I saw it, you know, uh, in um, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Shane, Rebus and Shane, 
in one of her books, I forget which one is offered her boss, one of the other books, I think one of the other books, she, she writes that she made a, made a commitment with her husband, Ramersha Zikhalavracha, that uh, they never got a bad end with each other. So one time they had a fight, and she said, you know, I wish I would go to sleep. Can we make up? He said, yeah, that's, I agree with you. They made up and they went to bed. So for people like that, it's a great idea. Like, you know, like, you know, like, you know the, the making up just says, yeah, make up, and they made up. You know, like, you know, so then fine. You know, but these people who, like, weren't making up, take like, three hours, you know, I, I can guarantee you in the morning <clears throat> when you have some rest under your belt and life is, you know, you'll see the, see the whole thing from a different picture. And... It won't be such an issue anymore. Like, really? We were upset about that last night? Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay, let's make up. Let's make up. But meanwhile, though, they spent three hours at night time trying to think, talk it through, and they can't get anywhere because they're getting more and more frustrated and exhausted and tired. <laughs> and they can't think it intelligently. So this, this colloquial wisdom that you can't go to bed angry is... I understand that it. like, it's horrible feeling to go to bed angry at somebody, but you'll, you'll do much better for yourself to go to sleep and wake up in the morning and take care of it. Um, okay. So in most cases, you should go to sleep? You have to work it out with your with your wife, you know, with the, the arrangements. But um, I'm saying, like, what what does this? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, that this colloquial wisdom that you can't go to bed angry. It, 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 I haven't found the chazal anywhere yet. It's you know, if you feel that you know, it'll be much more sense. You say, you know, listen, we are not working this out. Neither was, or, or we're both exhausted. Let, why don't we give? Step away for a minute, and we'll, and we'll you know go to bed, and we'll feel better in the morning. We'll talk about that, and it'll probably work out. Work out. It doesn't have to be now. Again, emotionally, it's not easy, so you have to sort of like work out that that's going to be an approach you're going to have in your life beforehand. Now, taking that a step further um, from that thought process, so here you have something which you realize that um, that it's very possible in twelve hours from now it won't bother you anymore. And I guarantee you, probably in a week from now, for sure, it won't bother you. <clears throat> so why is it bothering you now? So the, the next point is, if you can put, give yourself a little bit of distance, this is a time perspective. There's something which it doesn't really bother me. Or I know that I know very well in a short period of time it's not going to bother me anymore. So then why don't I just transport that thought process from the, this, the future back to now, and it shouldn't bother me. Okay. Does that work though? It's up to you. Okay. Um, so um, now we'll, we'll take, let's take a little bit more intensely. Okay. Rabbi Franz has over a story in one of his um, uh, what he calls his Chuba, <clears throat> and he also gave it one of his classes he gave a speech about Shalom Bais he said over this story um, I think quoting Rabbi Crone if I call correctly Rabbi Crone's quoting Rabbi Franz I don't remember which one but that's I think <laughs> okay over Rabbi Crone right okay so there's a couple, woman's, woman's an Israeli woman, and her husband's a type A personality. Type A personality, just like, gotta get things done, move on, go, build, do, da, 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 da. His wife is this real type Z personality. Like, you know, lay back, you know, no rush, take care of it tomorrow, next week, you know, type of thing. And I can imagine that in their marriage there were things which would, you know, get on his nerves, and, you know, with that type of attitude. And her response always was, like, you know, get upset with things. It's not so important. Like, don't, don't get so upset. Right. And, of course, that didn't do anything to placate him. Okay. But here you are, so as they lived in New York, so part of the, part of the New York reality of many people is that the, the, the family goes up to the mountains for the summer, and the husband stays in the city. and comes up for the weekends. 
So that's what they were doing. Um, he comes out of Shabbos, and so he gets in, you know, he leaves whatever time, and the, the drive is horrible, the traffic is horrendous. He gets there a few hours before Shabbos, whatever it is, an hour before Shabbos, and he walks in, he realizes on Shabbos, he realizes that um, he, he noticed his wife's purse was hanging on the baby's crib. And he didn't want the, the, the purse, which is Shabbos, hanging on the crib, etc., so he got upset about it. You know, already on Shabbos, because he about it, he, he noticed it. She said, "You know, okay, you know, you're right." But like, why are you get so upset? It's not so not so important. Just don't get so upset about it. But kids are much. So Sunday he leaves, goes back into the city. He's during the week. He gets a phone call that he has to come immediately back to the mountains. His wife, is, who was expecting, was complications. She was taken to the hospital, and he should come immediately. So, comes back to the mountains, and by the time he drives up, you know, it takes, takes two hours, he gets to the hospital, his wife had passed away. It's a true story. wife had passed away. So he was broken, it was terrible. Goes back to the bungalow, to make the, to, takes care of the arrangements, goes back to the bungalow, and he needs to get, and um, he needs to get the checkbook to write a check for to pay for, cover the costs for, the, for the, the funeral. And he finds her checkbook, and it's sitting in the, in the, purse, in the purse, hanging in the baby's crib. He says, you know what? She was right. Hmm. That's the story. It's a horrible story. So perspective... Was there like a happy ending there? Or that's like... That's, that's, no, that's the ending. That's the, ha- wow. that's the ending. It's not too happy, but it's an ending. <laughs> so the, the point over here is that perspective is a wonderful thing. Is it really, is, does it really bother you? Like, really? Like, like, if this would make or break your marriage, would it bother you? No. So, so you know what? Try not to make such an issue out of it. Now, I want to go back again. I want to point out, Revolva has a fascinating, uh, in Ali Shurk on the base, he has a parrot called, I think it's called Kapdonus. Ding Makbanus. Okay? Um, and he quotes over there, beginning the parakeet, quotes the Rambam, and the Rambam says, you know, that the halacha is, the Rambam, it's Rambam and Parsha, what's Pshat the positive mitzvah, Chazal darshan, it means in mitzvah giving to Chacha, giving people Musr, that's not how, that's not how the Pshat the Pshat is, the Rambam in Pirash HaChumash, and the Rambam in, in Hilchus Deus, understands it, it means to discuss it, if you're upset at somebody, discuss it with them. Bring your proofs, let him bring his proofs. You bring your argument why you think you're right. Let him bring your argument why he's right. And you'll, and you'll get it off. Well, she says, okay, don't hold an, a, 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 an anger on the person. Don't hold an, an owl on the person. Let's discuss it with him. Let, let, let's see. He might be able to correct it. You know, transfer it himself. He says, if you're not, you have another option. If he really, really doesn't bother you, that's fine. You don't have to discuss it with him. But if it bothers you, it's not right to keep it inside of you because it's just gonna, it's just going to color your relationship. And he says, also, Chazal also said the Pshat of Mitzvah given to Chacha. So the Pshat, Pshat is referring to this issue of, of discussing things. If something bothers you, it's a Mitzvah to discuss it. It's a lab on the Torah. It's a Mitzvah say to discuss it. You have to know when and you have to know how, but it's a Mitzvah to discuss it. Brother Robin points out, but the Torah is holding it, but as if, there's, if, there's, if you have a, you have a compaid on the person. If you're able to remove the compaid, it's a day, no problem. Ad kan dimer ram. So Rambam says, "What? Where the Rambam is? What? Where the Rambam is? Hilchos Deus. 
I'm going to say Perak Dalad. Not Perak Zion. Perak Zion, actually. Perak Zion, I think it is. Right, so now, from now, from now, so now, the, 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 the point I'm not saying is every time you have an issue, people are like, listen, let's read the Rambam together. I have to tell you what you know, I have to say. Shilch Rambam, it's the Shemana Taina. That's not why I told you this. <laughs> okay. So Volvo says, here's the problem. The problem is we all have occupations. We all, we all, we have, we have a multitude of occupations of people. Things that bother us. Okay. But we don't talk about it because, because they're beneath our dignity to talk about. Because a person of my stature really shouldn't be bothered by the fact that you know. Da, 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 da. So we don't talk about it, and they build up. And that's not a good thing. Um, okay, so there is a. Um, and let's just let's bring the bring the the, the challenge into, into focus. You know, it's a little thing. It's not the end of the world. So, you know, there's a rabbi joke. I tell you the rabbi joke about about the toothpaste, right? Okay, okay, fine. Um, rabbis have horrible jokes. Anyway, um, so this couple comes to the rabbi. That, that they said, you know, that they're um, thinking about getting divorced. The rabbi says, you know, my, my responsibility is the rabbi. Like, let's see if we can reconcile. Says so, rabbi, it's not relevant to reconcile. We just have to get divorced. I just can't do that anymore. The woman says, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to leave. I'm just done with this. So, but, like, you know, talk about the issues, man. We can, says, you want, you know, Rabbi, you want to understand. Just tell with me, and we'll see. Okay, Rabbi. He says, there are people in the world which are squeezers, the people in the world which are rollers. He says, huh? What squeezers and rollers? He says, Rabbi, there's two ways to use a tuba tuba face. There's people who roll it very nicely, and it's nice and clean. And there's people who squeeze it and it makes a mess. I can't take it anymore. And I get divorced. That's a joke. Joke. Okay. Why is it a joke? Because it's a caricature of some of the things which I get to discuss and show the bias with people. Like, you know, the people come to discuss me like, you know, I think like, hmm. It's about the same level of problems as squeezing. Um, but but why, why is it bother people so much? So she, so she makes a mess with the toothpaste. Like, you know, at the end of the world, like, you know, like, like to the point that, like, you know. So it's very simple. Um, if you take a sh- extremely superficial scratch on your hand, and you put a little scratch there, you rub it again, and 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 again. What happens? It's a festering wound. It's just a little scratch. Yeah, but it's a wound. With, with pus coming out of it after a while. So Dale Carnegie has a, has a great story about a um, this expedition of scientists who go down to Antarctica. So they go to Antarctica. It's a true story. Uh, document this story. So they go down to Antarctica. So how do you get to Antarctica? There's no airstrip to land on. It's a long walk to get there by, 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 by foot, you know. Under the water, right? So you take a boat, right? The problem is that the boat has to land, has to come into a port. The port is only ice three, two to three months a year, and the rest of the year it's 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 frozen over. You can't bring a boat in. So uh, they can take a boat boat off a distance and bring a helicopter in. But okay, so basically what they do is they send the the, the expeditions come there, and they then they stay there for nine ten months till the, till the next next summer. 
Of course, everything is underground because they can't live in the, the above ground temperatures. And on the ground, they can control the temperatures better, etc. So they have these caverns underground where they have sleeping quarters and eating quarters and all the different things that they have, the instruments, etc. And they go for expeditions up above once in a while, etc. So you have this group of scientists, like 60, 70 scientists come, and they're going to be spending a, 10 months together on, in this very limited area of, of space. They sit down to the first meal, and of course they're scientists, so they come with idiosyncrasies, right? right? And so scientist number one, he's very into healthy digestion, and he, he made the, the, the research that he, chewing your food beforehand is very important, and the optimal amount of chews to chew your food before you swallow it is 42 chews. If you, if you chew each bite that you eat 42 times, the body digests it much better. Well, so he sits down by breakfast, he starts eating, right? Every bite, 42 times. And the guy crossing him, like, finds it a little bit, like, you know, bo- bo- bothersome, a little bit uncomfortable, whatever, a little bit, like, you know, they sit down at lunchtime, same thing happens again, because they have the same seats. They're there for nine months. Breakfast, lunch, and supper, across from each other. And by the time that the nine months are up, the scientist B, who's recording the story, tells the story afterwards. He says, it took every single ounce of my self-control not to commit murder. I want to kill him. <laughs> this is the story. <laughs> right? If you get my, my drift, like, what do you care if the person chews food? Just because we're, we're McPeedon. Things bother us. Like, you know, we don't like things to be different than the way we think they should be. And they're gonna get it's gonna get on our nerves. Right? So so she she always sets the table with the cup here instead of here. There are people who will be bothered by that. And it happens one time. I, I'm, I'm going to tell her I care about how she picked the cups. I told her three times. She, you know, I, I, I'm going to sound weird if I tell her. But it bothers me. That's not an option. Either you're going to... Either you're going to... You have, your, your options are either to put it into perspective and say, this is ridiculous, and truly mean it, not say, you know, I really bother you, but I'm not going to say anything out of it because I'm going to control myself. But I have a, you know, I'm working on my meters. I'm not asking you to work on your meters. Don't, don't, don't work on your meters. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to get rid of it. That shouldn't exist. Like, we think work on me is meaningless. It really bothers me, but I'm going to control myself and I'm working on you. Know, that's, that's horrible, because it's not going to work. It's going to come out at some point in time, somewhere else, you're going to get frustrated with something, and you're going to react, and it's going to blow up. So, you have to find a way to say, in perspective, of Rabbi Fran's story, you know what? It really doesn't bother me. And it really doesn't bother you. It really doesn't bother you. Decide it doesn't bother you. Then move on with life. Okay, it doesn't bother you. If that's true, move on with life. Fine. Let's say it's not true. You haven't gotten there. So, you're going to sound like a stupid idiot to say it bothers you. But you're going to say, what? Well, say it bothers you. So, let her address it. Those are two options. There's not a third option. Now, you don't have to say it while you're in the moment of your cast. Right? You know, and, and, and you can be embarrassed out of your wits. And, so, you know, you can, and you can introduce, like, you know, I have to tell you I'm embarrassed out of my wits. Because, like, you know, really I should be bigger than this. But whatever reason, it just it really gets under my skin. It bothers me tremendously. I don't know why it does. I, I've worked on myself. I, it just keeps rolling my head. I just, I just have to tell you that when you, know, when you put, put, put the pen down like this, it just gets on my nerves. <laughs> She says, really, like, what's your problem? Like, you know, I said, I don't know. I don't, you're right. Good, good question. I don't know. 
I'm not going to try to explain it. I have no excuse. But this is the way I work. This is the way I work. And I, I'm, I know, right? Now, I would, I would tell you, you want to try and prefer the first option. You know, because it does you get a little more respect for the first option than the second option. Okay. Fine. Everyone sits out, and luckily there's nothing to do about it. Like the cup, she just keeps putting the cup there. So then that's when you, you already got it out, and now you just have to work on yourself. Well, hopefully, if you get it out, she will address it, or she'll you'll be able to talk it through. And usually, when you, usually when you talk it out, a lot of times, like as you're saying, like like really, you know what? Forget about it. it doesn't matter much anymore. <laughs> Once you don't have to hide it, like it's like okay, whatever. I have I happen to have a different bushel that I use, or picture that I use, which different than Ray Fran's picture. Maybe it's a little bit. Less gruesome? A little bit less gruesome. Not too much. Um, I picture standing in Besant Shamala. Yeah, less intense. That's pretty nice. And the, the verse is saying, you know, you have this mitzvah, like Rama says, you your wife more than yourself. And you you weren't mechabed her, you got upset at her. Rosh it wasn't my fault. She put the cup in the wrong place. What do you want me? And the whole Besant Shamala would just start laughing. <laughs> You were over the mitzvah, the find in the Gomorrah and in the Rambam. I've been mechabed your wife more than yourself because of a cup? Really? <laughs> you have this deep laugh. Oh, everybody mess. And I picture it. You know what? It works wonders. It's perspective, my friend. It's perspective. Okay, good. Trap door. <laughs> Okay, um, that's that angle. Okay, new angle. Okay, um, number six, whatever number that is. Four or five. Or okay, okay. Um, is um, <clears throat> ever here? Will ever hear Will, Will, Will ever hear of Will Rogers? Yeah, yeah. Will Rogers. You're probably gonna hear Will Rogers. Will Rogers was a famous. Um, a uh, cowboy humorist, comedian, right? And the, his main act was, you know, he, you know, he was very good at, you know, you know the, all the rodeo stuff, etc. but he would talk while he was doing it. And he'd be a busy lassoing, you know, lassoing something, etc. And he would, he would talk as he was doing it, he would say jokes. Most of his jokes were about making fun of himself, how bad he was at doing this type of stuff. And the audience loved it. Because the audience loves people who are comfortable laughing at themselves. So, humor is a very good thing um, when it's directed towards you. When it's directed towards your wife, it's horrible. Right? When you make fun of your wife, it's, it sounds pretty funny, right? You know? <laughs> no, uh, it doesn't. Um, but, so I'll give you an example of it like this. So, you know, I have a wonderful son, Baruch Hashem, he's now 22 years old, but he wasn't always like that. At some point in time, he was like four or five, and he, was a tr- he would come to with me to the davening yeshiva. And, you know, obviously a five-year-old boy, which is very nice, he came with me. We'd leave Shabbos morning very early because we had to get here at 8 o'clock for davening. And, you know, so we get up and, you know, I get feed him breakfast and then we would, we'd come to Yeshiva and um, he'd have some books with him or he'd have some, you know, something to eat, etc. And then, you know, you know, he would, you know, daven a little bit, then he'd want to daven, etc. And for some reason or other, like every time during Shmanesra, 
like he would start like you know like I don't know closing the book. I don't remember it wasn't even you know closing the book too loud or moving the rushing the pages or giggling you know I mean, something like that you know which would of course um, stare nobody but me. I, you know, everybody else, they're like, oh, everybody's, you know, but I was like, you know, he's staring over in Yeshiva, and like, they can't, can't, it's embarrassing, and I have to stop him, you know, etc. So, fine. So I had this deep, heart to heart talk with my five year old son um, that he has to can't do that to Mishwan Esrei. And, you know, he said, yeah, how do I get, you know, heart to heart talk, you know, five year old son, he gets it deeply, right? And the next one Esrei, he does the same thing again. So my first reaction, of course, was to get a little bit upset. You know, I just spoke to him about this. I mean, just spoke to him about this on the way to Shiva. And we had this deep, hard talk, you know, father to son, a very intelligent five-year-old son. And, you know, he is very intelligent, but he was very intelligent, but still, you know, like... And then, then it hit to me this, this thought, which I found hilarious. I said, you know what, Rangel? You command such power and authority that even your five-year-old son ignores you right after you spoke <laughs> to him. And like, you know, really, Rangel? You know, like, who do you think you are? You know, like, how much a five-year-old boy ignores you, your five-year-old son ignores you right after you spoke to him. And it's the funniest thing in the world. Like, you know, you thought you were somebody cautious. You're, not, you're a nobody. And I burst out laughing in the militia <laughs> You know what happened? I wasn't upset anymore. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't upset anymore. Because Taco was pretty funny. I really think that I'm such a cultural guy that everybody should, you know, bow to my will. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Rangel? Like, it was great. So don't take yourself too seriously, please. You know, how dare my wife uh, not respect the will of, of God's gift to mankind, you know. You know, Beryl, God's gift to mankind. That's my name, you know. Everybody, everybody has, you know, after the letter, after then they have you know, letters, I'm GGTTM, you know, God's gift to mankind. You know, like, you know, some are licensed social worker. I am like, you know, like, really? Like, what do you think? You think you deserve it already? Like, like what, you know, like, you know, I, I am so perfect. Like, you know, it, it's, it's so funny. It's supposed to be funny. Okay. Uh, I happen to think it's, uh, I think it's pretty funny. Um, okay. Um, you married your wife because you thought she's wonderful. And she still is wonderful. There's this horrible problem which is called people's mileage of their concerns. Hmm. So you married her because of her mileage. And now you find out they also are concerns. So just focus on the fact that you married her because of the mileage part. And that's how they come. Um, that's one thought. Second thought is, I heard this from a young lady that I was dating, not my wife. Um, actually, I was engaged to her, and then I was, then I was disengaged from her, by her. Um, so, um, it wasn't official yet, so that was, at least I didn't have to deal with that. Um, she said, quoted the name of one of her bay in, in seminary, which I don't, I, I don't remember the name if she did say the name, she said the name, but I don't remember the name. Okay, so he said that you marry a person because the person has, you know, Milo's A, B, and C. You married about a few years, you realize, you know what, they don't really have A, or B, or C. <laughs> but they have X, Y, and Z, and that's why you married them. Okay, interesting thought. 
Think about that. Right. Why did you marry your wife? Because those miles, I don't want to see those miles anymore. That's okay, but there are other miles that she has. The Russian realized that you were not mature enough to recognize the miles of X, Y, and Z yet. So you thought A, B, and C were miles. So she had A, B, and Z. You know, she didn't, but that's okay. But she, she had X, Y, and Z, that's why you married her. Huh. So let's go to the next Next one. Is like this. Um, <laughs> it connects together. Um, Revolva says that Shalom Bayes is the first a person's first big challenge in Bitochem. Shalom is your first big challenge in challenge Bitochen. What's the Bitochen element? Why is it a challenge in Bitochen? challenge in Midas. It says, the, what's the opposite of Bitochen? The opposite of Bitochen is control. Right? Men like control. Right? If you give a cho- cho- most men, not all of them, but many men, if you give them a choice between being in the driver's seat or being in the passenger seat and their wife to drive, they prefer that they should drive because they like being in control. That's a very simplistic manifestation of that reality. Well, Bitochen means... Where does Bitochen kick into reality? When you're not in control. You know, Ebarker's life is pretty much under his control. He can decide what he wants to do. Decide, you know, how he wants to do it. He might have difficulty, better or worse, but pretty much he gets he pretty gets to call the shots in his life. Um, all of a sudden, you have this person who you can't control, and so you say, you know what? And everyone's in control to start with. Russians in control, and he put this person here. I mean, they have to learn how to deal with it, and he knows what he's doing. And if you put him there, it means that this person is perfectly matched to me for my nisiyarness that I need to live in life. And he knows what he's doing. He knows what's good for me. And she belongs here, and I belong here together with her. And to not say it here, but to say it here, is a challenge of Shalom Bais. Not to say it in your head, but to say it in your heart. It's a fascinating thought from Volvo. So you marry her for A, B, and C. You marry for X, Y, and Z, because you, you know... You realize that the Barsham had a reason why this this person person is, is the person who's with you. It's a beautiful thought. Okay. Um, so sometimes you know you find something challenging. So the answer is like you know what the Barsham knows what he's doing, and that's exactly what I needed at this moment. I needed this challenge. I needed the, and and who better than than my wife could give me that challenge. Okay. Um, focus on the fact that, you know, in general, our goal in life is to be happy people. People have a mistake about happiness that they think, you know, that you know, I'll be, if everything is perfect, I'll be happy. That's not a cause to be happy. If everything's perfect, I'll be happy. That's not a cause to be happy. The cause to be happy is when things are not perfect. So I, I think I've shared this with some of you at some point in my life. Um, when I moved to Silverstein, Maryland from Tulsa Shiva after being in Tulsa Shiva for 23 years, um, there were certain elements which I found a little bit difficult, adjusting, etc. And I was back in Cleveland after Ellis Ellis came, you know, summertime. So at the Ellis in Silver Spring, Ellis the Royum, which was the first time in my life I had not been in Tulsa Shiva for Yom the Royum. First time I had experienced anything other than Tulsa Shiva for Yom the Royum because 
I wasn't from before I went to Tel Shiva. So my only picture of the Rome was Tel Shiva, and I'm picturing the Mizrachman to Tel Shiva, you know, and I'm thinking, like, I'm like, what are you doing on the Mizrachman? You know, like, really? You know, like, you know, what am I doing here? I was like, I can't believe I'm here. Anyway, so I was, I was, I was frustrated and uh, to some extent. Yeah, there were certain things which were going, you know, I was having difficult, etc. So, so I spent his man and brought back in Cleveland. I went to uh, visit the Rashiva Rukhaim, Zirkul Abrocha, and he says to me, Please get this. Please get this. How's it going? So I started crunching. You know, this is not good, not good. So, three sentences, and he says, Is it 80% good? So I thought, yes. You don't get better than your percent in life. <laughs> That's huh. great. I like it. It's a great quote. <laughs> then, he, then he says to me, no, go out the landline. You know, as I told him, he says, ah, and that was the end of the conversation. That was it. Like, you know, no more quetching, talk and learning. And he would not let me quetch anymore. Quetching was done. You got, your, you got your two and a half sentences out, you know, that's it. It's 80% good, there's nothing to venture about, because life is good. This was who, Rukhaim? Rukhaim So, I'm here almost 20 years, I came in 1997. I've lived 20 years on the 80% rule, and I'm a very happy person. Hashem. <laughs> Does it really max out at eighty percent, or can get better? It can get better, actually. Okay, but you're really excited because if you only expect the eighty percent, you get more than that, which is really good, right? Okay. Uh, on that point, I, what, um, I tell guys right before the kupa, you know, or you know, the, you know, but, but two days before whatever it is, I tell them that you know, you have to macabre in your mind that that something during the, the costume will go not the way you want it to. So you have to accept. Picture that and accept it. Now, Motoshuk, if it happens, you already decided, you accepted it. If it doesn't happen, you're really happy. Like, you know, Motoshuk, you know. But chances are there'll be something which will go not the way you want it. You know, this person wants to get this key, but didn't get the key, but this person didn't show up. This person, you wanted this to happen before that, that happened before this. You know. right. My costume was, was on a, a Sunday afternoon in Octo- at the end of October. October 30th. And... Um, and on the steps of the Oyev Sholem Congregation, 16th Street, in D.C. Mm-hmm. And I very much didn't want the people to wait. We said, I'm sorry, the white city, it's, 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 you know, it's the end of October, it's, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cold, but it wasn't warm, and the sun was out, Baruch Hashem. But they didn't want people, you know, a lot of those ladies go outside right away, you know, the to make a minute for Mincha, you know, people will have to wait. So I asked her, please, there'll be enough time after the chuppah to make the mincha afterwards. Please, mincha should be after the chuppah. Mincha should be after the chuppah. Mincha should be after the chuppah. Of course, when was mincha? Before the chuppah. Right? That's the way it goes. So I got upset. Because nobody told me this, this thought. Like, you know, I asked every, I can't believe they did it. I was so, I was like, there's people waiting. And they don't realize, they don't think about everybody else. Okay, Ronald, you can hold yourself, try and relax, focus, forget about them, you know, focus on the chuppah, which I did, Baruch Hashem. Um, my, we, we got married on the, uh, 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 
if you ever been, you ever driven down 16th Street, you'll see that you know Shalom has this gorgeous facade, gorgeous front, facing out towards 16th Street, and it has a large amount of steps, like steps and then a platform and steps and a platform going Very down to the street. So we got married by the street, and we walked down to our chuppah. That's what it says. You have to walk down to your chuppah, right? And they tell me that there was a traffic jam on 16th Street. <laughs> people like stopping to watch what was going on because, like, you have a few hundred people outside, you know, and this, you know, this bride coming down, etc. So, awesome. so kids are, so I get to the top step, and they start playing whatever song I chose that they should play for, for me walking down. And I heard the first chord. <laughs> Next thing I knew, my cat was there. Like, <laughs> I had space into a different world, and like, so I wasn't upset anymore about the mincha because, like, what, what's mincha? I, like, I, I went, where am I? <laughs> you know, like, so, you know, you sort of some people, are, you know, are a little more, you know, with it and down to earth than I was. I was definitely in space cadet mode. Um, yeah, I've seen three modes of people walking down to the chuppah. There's people walking down to the chuppah and they're like very serious. It looks like they're being dragged. That's why the, the parents walk with them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Da-dum, da-dum. laughs> right? And there's people like dance down to the chuppah. And there's people like me like... <laughs> three approaches to the chuppah. Okay. 80%. Okay. Um, so, except up front that things are not... It's 80%. Life, life. Do you really think that this person is like your slave? Like, what do you think? That they're always going to give it to you? They're always going to exactly, want exactly what you want? Really? Like, let's be realistic. The human being with all of their needs, all their emotional needs, and they're different than you. And you took the two of you to, under the same roof, 24 7, 365. The nature of the beast is that there's going to be things which are not going to go perfect. That, 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 that's just accepted up front. And then, you know, once you, you, you don't focus on that, like, you know, this is not, you know, it's, you're not going to upset about it. I, I expected it not to be perfect, so I'm, I'm upset. My wife's line is that Uncle Omen Kodesh Baruch is perfect. Another Barry Arlem is perfect. Like, nobody else is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Like, I never expected to be perfect. So I'm not upset. You're not perfect. You know what? Wow. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect it to happen anyway. So like, well, you know, what's the big schmitz? Okay. Um, from that vantage point, you can next move to the next thought is focus on the fact that you're married. And you have a, Hashem, a marriage which, for the most part, is perfect, is, is, is running well, and you have a wonderful wife. And if you focus on those things, you, the perspective is a positive perspective. Okay. Next one. Have you ever had this experience where somebody does something to you, and it's just like you can't, you can't believe they did that, and you can't imagine why they did that. And then you speak to the person, and you hear their perspective, and you say, you know what? I get it. Ever happened to you? Ever had that experience? Right? Mm-hmm. So once you understand somebody, the barrier is removed. So he, he knew her. 
if you understand her, if you have das, if you know her, if you really get to know her, you understand who she is, all of her background, all of her personality, all of her mildness, all of her concernness, all of her challenges in life, all, right? all of her fears, and all of her joys, you understand where she's coming from. You won't be upset anymore. That's the ultimate So that's the goal. The goal is to know her, to truly know her. And then, you know, which we call that, you know, the idea of, uh, the, idea of you know, the Rangel's family, we talk about the idea of Ayantova. You know, I can see it, with the, I can look at it in a positive way. Because you know, I, can, I can judge the person in a positive way. I can see it with a positive way. Because I, I, I see where they're coming from. I, I, I'd be the exact same way as they would be under the circumstances, like, like that, you know? Okay. Um, next. Not you know really this belongs being up up number one, but uh, is tefillah. That would be much more for help. You know you know what you're saying something Russian. Please help me deal with this properly. Please help me, you know focus on the positive which is over here, etc. Okay, Rabbi um has the following analogy. He says so. Uh, imagine, I think apparently the the play uh, Julius Caesar. You've all read Julius Caesar? Of course. Of course, yeah. Somewhere. Okay, so there's one, there's one scene over there. Right, now, so imagine, right, that you're, you're playing Brutus and Julius Caesar. Right? So there's a scene where, where Brutus takes his dagger and, he's, and he plunges it in, 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 into Caesar's heart. Right? Right? And you've done this a thousand times. You did it, you know, you did this, they, put, they put it on every day, twice a day, you know. And you've been doing this for like three years straight on Broadway. And it was the most boring scene you've ever lived in your life. So, in the middle of the scene, you go, oh, oh, what's going to happen to your job? Oh, sure. Right? So we have to like act. <laughs> so he says, so if something bothers you and you're not in the mood of acting, act, acting correctly, there's no problem. Go into the bathroom and stay there until you're ready to come out and act properly. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, everything. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, you have to act sometimes. So you're not in the mood. So what? You know what? Act anyway, because you know what? You'll find that after a little bit of time, it passes. It won't bother you so much anymore. You'll be able to move on. But right now, it's not worth responding to it because you know you're not going to get it right. So act. And if you can't act, stay in the bathroom until you're ready to act. Unquote. Okay. He's a lot of fun listening to. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> I once heard this from a person named Rabbi J. Rabbi J. Salad. Lives in, lives in Yerushalayim. S-A-L-I-D, not S-A-L-A-D. Okay, so Jay and I go back 30-plus years ago. Um, the man is fascinating. He's from Memphis. No, he's not from Memphis. He's from Yerushalayim now. But he's, he's Rosh Karlo there, Rosh Hashiva there. Guy is like brilliant off the charts. Like, I got a photograph every type. Like, you know, <laughs> he went to public school. Like, you know, he used to learn with like a, like a tutor on the side. 
I used to doubt my shirt shoes. He comes today. What do we say? I'm only working in Chashmish, but now we're all Kimmel Simon Kuket Aleph. Like you know, from the beginning straight. You know, like on himself, by himself. You know, that that type. You know. So by 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 I, he was once officiating by a chasna. I don't remember who's Chasna was. And he spoke under the Chuppah, like, you know, it was nice out of town Chasna, he spoke under the Chuppah, the rabbi speaks under the Chuppah. Right? And he says, Yom Kippur, Chasna Kala, Eir Chasna like Yom Kippur. Right? Yom Kippur is the day that that goes down as the day of the That's like, as it were, the Russian was like reconnecting to Klai He's marrying Klai Yisrael. Give him the Luchas. Gave it the Luchas. That's the, that's, the, that's the ring. Why Yom Kippur? Because Yom Kippur is a day of forgiveness. This is the foundation of your marriage is the ability to forgive. Yes, she did something wrong. Yes, whatever. Forgive. It also means to, to say I'm sorry, which is the second half, because Russia forgives when we say I'm sorry. So, uh, but it was my fault. I, I was right. She was wrong. Uh, well, did it hurt her? Yes. So you're wrong or hurting her. But it, uh, we, you were wrong or hurting her. So follow that. Okay. Um, we spoke about this idea. Of um, we spoke about the idea of not testing the relationship. You got to believe in the relationship. So I believe that a lot of dining the means you know a lot of what happens. We, 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 I react. You know something happened. it indicates and that's you know like horrible. You know and then the mind starts raising. You know well if this is true then that is true. You know like I, like we spoke about you know you know. He forgot to call and say that he's coming home late means he doesn't love me, right? Obviously. Right. Like, which we spoke, oh, we explained why from a woman's perspective that's a valid thought process. Right? Right? And, and she could be, and then, you know, and then uh, he comes home after, like, you know, a half an hour beyond. Nowadays, there's no excuse. I mean, you know, just, you know, like, once upon a time, I understand, like, you know, like, the Chassidish writes in his letter to Chassid, he says that before you leave the house, you have to tell her where you're going and when you'll be back. And if you're not going to be able to have time, you have to contact her and tell her that you're, not, you're going to be late. The Chassidish writes this already. Right? Like, nobody wants to excuse you, but you have a cell phone. I forgot to call you. I forgot to call me. Like, you know, right? But... Um, she said, I, know, I was so worried about you. I thought, you know, I, you're homeless almost like the news. I, I thought I was ready to call the hospital, you know, and check to see if there was an accident. Like, I'm like, whoa, like, you know, the, the emotional part. Of the, that's not logical. That it was a, it was like, yeah, but that's not the issue. And, I, and then you know, she's so relieved to see you, Baruch Hashem. And she's so upset at you, she pops you over the head with a pillow. Like, I thought you were so relieved to see me. Yeah, but how can you do this to me? Right? It's, it's, it's the pocket of the, the, this, is the, this is the primary being in her life. Ignoring her, which is a statement that you know, she's not important to them. So you, we read a lot of things of the things. Don't read anything of anything, please. Just believe in the relationship. Right? Right? 
Um, so why did she forget to cook supper? Because she's upset at me, and no, no, because she forgot to cook supper. Like, you know, like why? Because you know, you know there's a deep-seated reason, there's a psychological, a psychological, and I'm reading it over, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, Rabbi uh, Rabbi Gold's guide to psychoanalysis. You know, well, it must be the reason why she knows because she has problems with travel. You know, like that, like you know, like. You know what? It, like, don't read anything that anything, please. Just it happened. It happened. Move on with life. And you are supposed to try to understand, the, like, read right, understand in between the lines. Yes, but the, for, at, at the time you're dealing with the emotions, dealing with the issues. Don't want to run away. Don't escalate. Okay. Um, speaking about that, that just reminds me of a thought, um, which. I have I, I have an absolutely I have an absolute wonderful relationship with my father in law. Absolutely wonderful relationship with my father in law. But he's a father in law of a son in law. And he has his opinions, he has his thought processes, and he likes he happens to be a very scrappy person. He grew up in the grew up in the streets of Washington DC as a kid. He learned how to be pretty tough. See he loves a good fight. So my wife and I made up this rule, coming for you know, you come and spend like you know, two, days, two weeks of Yom together. You know, it's called don't bait and debate. No baiting. You know, what do you think about this? You know, like <laughs> hey, wave the bait in front of him, like you know, <laughs> make him read and don't debate. You know, says you know, I think you know, says, yeah, that's interesting though. I, I, I hear that. Like it's very hard to have an argument with something like that. It's horribly hard. <laughs> Now, once in a while, you know, like, you know, he, like, he says, I, you know, I enjoy a good fight. I, I know that, you know, it's good, it's good to me to, you know, like, you know, um, like, you know, I try to get you, well, you're into something and get you upset about something. I said, no, you know, I know you do. He says, does it work? Sometimes. Well, that's true. You know, like, you know, like, uh-huh. most of the time it doesn't, you know. Like, and I, I, don't, I just don't want it, because at the beginning I did, and it was, it was horrible. It was just horrible. Like, you know, we'd end up having this fight about, like, why are we fighting about this thing? After? Like, why, why, why did I myself get upset about this? You know, you know, I, I think people in yeshiva, you know, really spend too much time in yeshiva. You know, they should spend more, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's a good point. You know, I think probably your private rights probably have spend a little too long in yeshiva. But, but like, you know, but don't you think, you know, that that's an issue? Maybe, you know, you know. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most un, unopinionated person in the world, but it's like, you know, and now, like, you know, they ask, you know I'll ask you, like, Ali, what do you think about something? I said, you know, and I'll say, you know, because he trusts my opinion, because he wants to hear what I have to say, because I'm not fighting with him. Or once in a while, I ask him, like, Daddy, like, you know, we discussed this before, and you already have your opinion. Like, why are you asking me again? And I said, I want to see what you're going to say. I said, ha no, no. <laughs> you know, like, you know, no bait, don't bait in the debates. It's very important in the Kuda with in-laws. Okay. Ever? What? What? Did you never have a debate with them about anything? It's not worth it. What do you accomplish? I mean, you know, if, you, know, if you see that, you know, and I, I haven't... Um, you know, I, I have this horrible meeting with my wife. <laughs> Usually she's right. And usually I admit it that she's right. You know, I can say, you know, you should have done that. You know, you're right. I shouldn't have. <laughs> she hates it. <laughs> it's like horrible. Like, you know, she's upset about something, and I say, you know, yeah, you're right. I really should do better. I'll try to do better next time. 
If you said it last time, you said you're right. Now let's see, let's see if we can think. Of, well, let's see if we can think of some way to do, do it. I'll do it better next time. <laughs> she's like, you know, she's like, she wants to like, you know, let out her frustration and tell me how upset she is. But it's like she can't do that because, like, you know, I'm like, I'm not arguing with her. Because she's right. I, the Taka didn't do it right. I didn't act rightly vis-a-vis her or vis-a-vis so-and-so, you know, or whatever. I mean, I'm not perfect. So I admit it. And she finds it very frustrating. So he says, you never admit to being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> For some bites. You know, I mean, like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I said, you know, I, I'm not doing it just like, you know, why I said, you're doing this just to get out of the fight. I said, no, 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 I, I seriously, I think you have a good point. So why have you forgotten this? You know what? That's a good question. Let's think about that. You know, and I'll, let's, let's talk about it. You know, like, you know, what's, what's my deep underlying psychological problem with changing? I don't know, like, you know, I need, I'm working on it. You know, have I gotten better over the years? Yes, I have gotten better over the years. It says, am I perfect? No. Will I get there eventually? I hope so. You know, I'll get there. Okay, let's live happy every day. Yeah, let's do that. And, and the conversation ends right there. Like, you know, it's like, I'm not, and I'm not saying there aren't times that I get upset about things, but, you know, as I get older, like, I realize, like, what, like, I used to defend my position and why I did it, like, very vigorously. Because I didn't want to lose respect in her eyes. Right? Why do you why why do you give excuses? Because you don't want to be a bad person. So I, I didn't really mean to do it. I didn't understand that. You know, and what you said, and I thought that's what you wanted, and I, it wasn't my fault. So now I'm not a bad person. Do you get more respect for admitting that you're wrong, or for explaining why you were right and giving excuses? Which do you get more respect for? Admitting you're wrong. Absolutely. Admitting you're wrong. Right. Right. So why do I want to give excuses? Commits me. Why should I give excuses if I can get more respect the other way? It's just like right. And worst of all, the problem is like I trust the relationship, so like I'm not trying to. If I'm worried about the relationship, so I have to explain why it wasn't on my fourth. I didn't really meet it, and therefore I'm not such a bad person. Therefore, you still like me, and therefore we should we should say we married. And I have this whole like thought process going on. Where I have to save the marriage by explaining why I forgot to go to the store. You know, I'm over exaggerating a little bit, but like you know, but that's that's what happens. Like we're not going anywhere. Everything is fine. And I forgot to go to the store. And I shouldn't have gone to the store. And I feel badly I forgot to go to the store. I'll try to do it next time. And yes, I forgot to go to the store. And you really told me it was very important. And I forgot. And I, I apologize. Like. Okay. Last one on this page. It's called Sneas. So Sneas doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, actually, I have to. I have one thing. One thing after after the CS, Okay. Um, so, where do you find CS? We find Matarel Rashi says that you know that Bilam saw that and therefore he was he was to give him a bracha, all the believer to give him a bracha. So, um, I know that there was a Mashkiach and Yeshiva would give. Um, Shalom Bayes classes for people who married, you know, Chosanim, for Shana Risharna, and for five years marriage. So this is in the five year marriage class. He says, the grass is greener on the other side is a horribly t- dangerous thing. Don't look in somebody else's tent. You know, in their tent, like, wow, you know, kids are dressed, 
And man, it's like, you know, you're in the midbar, like, you know, in your tent, like, you know, the kids are always walking around in diapers, you know, they're, they're screaming and they're yelling, and, you know, the, the house is like, you know, Ibrakaranish, like, you know, there's stuff piled on the table, right? You know, and another tent, look at that, you know, like, the table is clean, the kids are dressed menschlich. Right? Can you imagine that? Don't look in somebody else's tent. We have no idea what's going on in somebody else's tent. And the Russian didn't put you into that tent. He put you in your tent. So it's irrelevant to look in somebody else's tent. That's the news. Um, don't keep looking over your shoulder. Like, you know, I have a lot of guys here who think they have, like, looking over the shoulder syndrome. Like, I'm not really learning so well. So why do you think so? Because someone's learning better than me. Like, like, why are you looking at someone's? Like, I, like, why are you defining yourself by somebody else? Um, and from the vantage point of being many, many, many years in the world of dealing with issues and counseling, I can tell you that nobody's tent is perfect. And with the tents which look perfect, sometimes even less perfect. And, you know, that's the way it is. No, nobody's perfect, and that's it. We, we never claim to be perfect. Okay. Um... Rabbi Friend has a fascinating exercise that he suggests. I'm a Rabbi Friend, I'm a Rabbi Crone, I'm a Rabbi Crone, I'm a Rabbi I don't remember which one it was anymore. But um, I think it was Rabbi Friend, I'm a Rabbi Friend, I'm a Rabbi Crone. So Rabbi Crone says a story, which Rabbi Friend said over, about a couple in Queens, that's why I think it's a Rabbi Crone story to start with, um, who. I, I'm not sure they were Chasakala or they were married a little while. He was married for a little while. I think they were having problems like communicating. So they decided to do the following. They decided to make a list. Each one was going to make a list of the 20 most important things that they thought their spouse wanted in the marriage in order of priority. Right? 20 is a lot of things. <clears throat> okay. Right, right. So, so let's say for for example, the wife put down. You know, the first thing was that she, her husband wants supper on the table as soon as he comes home. Husband looked and said, "Yep, it's number fifteen by me." And what they found was that basically they had everything wrong. Like you know, then they gave each other the list and they annotated the list. You know, in red pen. You know, when you put one, I would mark it as number seven. You know, etc. And it drove home how much they, they need to, to learn to understand each other, and it also gave them clarity about the other person. So it was a great lesson. Then they took the paces and they had a glass covered table in the kitchen, and they put the papers under the under the under the glass. So every night by supper, they could see the papers and remind me, like you know, how much we still have to learn to understand each other. And how much they could keep focusing on each other's priorities. It was great. Okay, a lot of fun. <laughs> Pretty funny, also. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a suggestion. Yeah, why not? Okay. L- last, last um, thought over here. Okay. Um, so the name of this thought is Goldberg and Goldberg Limited Liability Corporation, LLC. Goldberg and Goldberg LLC, right? Goldberg and LLC. Right? And Goldberg LLC. So have you, heard of, you ever heard of Goldberg and Goldberg? 
Goldberg Goldberg were two partners that got together and they decided that they want to make a lot of money together. Okay? So Goldberg is very good at, you know, speaking to people, being in business, sales, etc., etc. Goldberg, on the other hand, is a great accountant, you know, organized, meticulous, getting things done, etc. They're a great partnership. One day Goldberg realizes that he can make more money without Goldberg. So since the whole purpose of living, being together with Goldberg is to make money, and he can make more money without not being with Goldberg, so that was the end of the, the, the partnership. Okay. So some people's marriages are Goldberg and Goldberg limited liability corporation. I, I want to be happy. You want to be happy. Well, since you want to be happy, let's get together and make each other happy. One of the rules, you know what? I'd be more happy without you. <laughs> so why am I staying in this marriage? That's not how you get married. You don't get married to be happy. You get married to build something. You get married to build a home. You get married to build a, a, a place which you will work together, each person bringing their strengths to create something which is greater than, than the sums of the two parts. A place where you can raise children, in case you can, you can do a vodas Hashem. That, that's your goals. So sometimes you're not happy. Okay, but that wasn't the goal. As long as you're moving towards the goal, and, and the goal is taking place, so then we're good. But I'm not happy. Okay. That wasn't the definition. But some people get married because they want to be happy. And when they realize, you know what? Marriage is a lot of work, and it's not so easy, and they're not so happy. And that's when things start falling apart. Okay, so hopefully your marriage will not be Goldberg and Goldberg. Little liability corporation. Amen. Okay. Yeah, I, you're supposed to be happy, no? Happy is, happiness is well, a... That's relative. Happiness is a byproduct. Oh, I skipped oh. one over here. Right. I'm sorry. Um, Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um... And this is a little bit of a challenging one. Right? The other ones are easy, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Again, I think you, you, know, you don't have to use all of them all the time. Like, you know, like, you know, like, what else do I right know? Like, one second, one second here. Just like, um, <laughs> 17, let's try number 17. I think Will Rogers is a good, uh, what are the options? <laughs> Breakdown, what's going on right now? <laughs> do you see these pants? <laughs> Listen, try it. You never know. Um, uh, um, you remember if, you're, if, if, if your goal is to understand the person to make them happy to attend to their needs your focus is on the person so you're not busy thinking about how much you're not being happy and strangely enough a byproduct of doing that many times is that you're happy because you're giving and you're, it develops love it develops care so every time I, I, I think about what would my, life, my wife like me to do under these circumstances, I'm developing in myself a muscle called giving. So the, uh, the focus is the other person. Fine, let's just touch a few things over here. Um, so in laws, we touched on them a little bit. My father-in-law had a great line when we, when we were engaged. And my father-in-law served in the Navy in World War II in the South Pacific. Um, yeah, it sounds like cool. Yeah, he lost, lost some of his best friends were killed. Russia, he made it back alive. Um, 
it's not, you know, this is war is not anything where uh, near what the the movies make it out to be. Yeah. Right. So he says in the navy there's something called a shakedown cruise. Have you ever shakedown cruise? So every time you make a new boat, they you know they can't send the boat out right for use it right away because there's always things which aren't going. With, so take it out for a cruise. The first cruise is called the shakedown cruise to see what, what's gonna. What's what what nuts they, they didn't tighten properly and what you know buttons they forgot to, to, to program whatever they take it and they come back usually they, they move up most of the kinks uh, they take it out for a lot of times depending how complicated the machine the, the the ship is it'll be for longer or shorter etc they come back and they fix up these things it says every marriage starts with a shakedown cruise So he was referring to, to vis-a-vis himself and myself, not vis-a-vis my wife. <laughs> and that's true. You know, you're learning. These these people, you have to respect them. Um, they're older than you. They 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 produce something which is very very you know, important to you. They 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 brought your wife into this world and they raised her. Um, and they have their version of how they want things to happen. And they're the nicest people in the world, but you know, they still see things different than you. Sometimes, and finding the balance of how to interact with that is sometimes is very uncomfortable. And you learn how to deal with it. You learn how to get you know understand like what pushes their buttons and what you know how, how to to make them feel that you that you appreciate and you do appreciate you know wh- who they are and what they are, etc. Um, okay, that's in laws are are a subject. You know, I just want to point out you know that your in laws are. Um, Sometimes you'll have the six between your, yourself and your in-laws, and you want to share with your wife. And for her, they're her parents, and she not, she might agree that you're right, but it's painful for her. And you have to understand that. Okay, um, money. Money is a potentially a challenging issue when it comes to home buyers. Different people have different attitudes towards money, um, and you'll find that you know your attitude is not necessarily your wife's attitude. Um, so, we, we we mentioned way back in the in the, in the, the second session the relationship of a captain and a first mate, right? A captain wants his first mate to be a very competent person because he needs to rely on the first mate to get a lot of things done. If the captain will second guess the first mate every time he does something, the first mate will become incompetent very quickly. Because since they they need the, the validation of the captain, whatever they're doing is being questioned, they'll become dysfunctional. Right. So I, I had a couple who the husband was very money, money conscious. And he was a very good shopper. Like, you know exactly that. Don't buy tomatoes over here because, you know, they always they rip you off for tomatoes. And the tomatoes so much better over there, that type of a thing. Every time his wife would come home from the store, he would ask, like, where'd you buy the tomatoes? You bought over mm-hmm. there? I can't believe you bought over there. They're so much more expensive. Like, what were you thinking? At some point, 
he realized he's having some shalom bias problems. And uh, in my conversation with him, I said, I realized, like, you know, I said, I asked him, what's more important to you? Um, saving some money or having a happy, confident wife? He said, happy, confident wife. I said, that, that's a good answer. I'm happy you said that. Um, right? Although we'd have a lot more problems. Right? So then, how much money is it worth to you to have a happy, confident wife? Whatever it takes. He says, okay. So every time she spends more on tomatoes, you're spending money on having a happy, confident wife when you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so that was interesting. It gave him perspective a little bit. So Chavaz Chaim writes this. Chavaz Chaim says he has something called a Sholem, a Sholem fund. Right? He says we pay money, we pay a lot of money for an Esri. People spend $100 for an Esri. $1,000 for Tulin. Thousands of dollars with some nice pair of film. Says, how much are you willing to spend on Shalom, on peace? So you make up, mark up in your mind up front that you're going to be spending money on, on Shalom. Which means if your wife buys an extra dress and you know, you really can't afford it right now. Okay. And you know, and she knows that, but she just like she really wanted it. Um and you know and you're really nervous. You just look at the checkbook, and the checkbook, you know, is like negative, and you have this big bill coming up. And uh, the boss just told you that, you know, he's giving you, he's downsizing, and I have to let, let, let you go. And you know, and, and you know, and Aunt May is, you know, just had a heart attack, and you know, like you know, like so, like you know, you might have to go visit her in the hospital. That's good, you know, that, you know, yeah. And she bought this extra dress, so. You say, "Wow, I'm so happy about your dress." I'm sorry, that makes you, I'm sure I'm happy. You know, I'm happy that you should have a dress. I'm investing in it. I, I, even with all the things, I still buy. I still bought an Esther for, for Sukkot. Yeah, okay. So then you can then you can spend money on her dress because it's Shalom. That, that that being said, it doesn't mean you can't uh, work on trying to uh, find the name of Kashava, but it has to be done not under pressure. Conversation has to be done not, you know, where like you know you're all worked up about, you know, what's going to be. Um, fine. Um, going back to we discussed this idea of uh, attention to your wife, and they spoke about like what's important to her. You might have to ask her sometimes. <laughs> That's okay. Right. It's, a, it's a profound thought process. I'm not sure what she would like me to do right now. So, ask her. Um, now, she might say, you know, I would like you to figure it out yourself. I says, you know what? I also like to figure it out myself. But right now, till I'm there, I would like to really get input, uh, make sure that I'm, uh, I'm focusing on what your, your emotional needs are. It's, going back to that point, when you agree with somebody, you heard them, and you repeat it back to them, you heard them, you validated them, and if it's not just lip service, like, you know, yeah, I just say this, let's get, get them off my back, type of a thing, but you really are trying to work on it, you'll get a lot of respect for that. Um, 
Okay. Um, women have to keep growing. Grow, men have to keep growing after marriage. Um, life is right. Gets very busy. Um, if you want to make sure that your wife is still being able to grow, you have to make sure she has opportunities to do that. Opportunities yeah. um, to. Now, nowadays, there's, there's so much, so many different things to listen to, or to classes, share them to go to, or share them to, to listen to online. But um, she can't do it when she's exhausted and take care of the baby every night. So, do very dear. The three o'clock feeding, I'll take care. of. We have milk put away, put away in the freezer. You know, if, if she's if she's nursing, you know. She put away, put away extra milk in the freezer. Yeah, formula, you know, that horrible thing called formula. Someone, you know, that. Okay. Um, I, you know, just just as an aside on that issue, um, our society has made this big, become very big but nowadays. We become the pushes like the importance of um, nursing as opposed to using formula. Because it's much healthier and better for the child, etc. Um, like everything, you, t- you know, you take it to an extreme; it's unhealthy. Um, I mean, I happen to be the gave the right raised to find children on formula. Uh, like you know, I think, I think they've been welcoming me for the, the difficult difficulties they had in their early childhood. You know, the main thing is that you that you you, you think about your child, you bond with your child, but time with your child, you you learn to understand your child, you take care of your child, right? But the society has made such a big negation that a woman who does not nurse is considered a pariah almost in some communities. Like, you're not nursing? What's going to be with your child? He's going to grow up so underdeveloped because he didn't have that emotional bond with his mother from nursing. And that 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 is what women pressure themselves about. So, um, you know, um, it's hard to nurse and fast at the same time. The child is taking a lot of liquid out of the person. So Tim Kipper, and you know, um, you know, so there's a hatter of uh, you know, a mother eating. We brought down Allah because when that was the only source of food for the nursing for the child. This comes to function for the child. Nowadays, it's kind of fussy for the mother. She's going to have a heart attack if we tell her to use, use formula instead. <gasps> like, you know, like, you know, like, oh, what's the comes to fussy? It's over here. Like, I mean, like, you know, like... Okay. Um, <laughs> I said mine on that one. Um, you're going to have to make sure that she has time to grow. That means you learn something together. That means that you prepare something to say by the, by the Shabbos suitors. Uh, that means you, you take care of the kids so she can go out, get out, to go to a shear. That you, means you encourage her to make a kabusa. That means you know, to, you, whatever it is, you learn the safer together by the Shabbos You learn the safer together by the supper table. Um, you talk about the bottom points, which which need clarification. You share the Torah. Uh, you discuss avoid Hashem. Okay. That being said, Sneas, and now we're talking about the standard understanding of Sneas, is the man's responsibility. A woman will do
what her husband wants. Right, says, you know, my wife is wearing, you know, not seeing his clothing. Um, so you live in a community, but that's what everybody wears. But, so it's a challenge. It is a challenge for the woman. Right? And the man says, I demand that, you know, that's not going to work either. But if a man can validate and understand the, the challenge that she has and the emotion that she's going through, just validating them takes away a large amount of the ch- of the challenge. My husband understands what I'm going through, but it, we both recognize it and they have to be more careful. Um, now, this is in general true in parenting. Uh, if you're looking for parenting styles, that, you know, being aware of a child's challenges and empathizing with them and then moving on Fine. Um, charity starts at home. So, like, you know, it's really exciting, a lot of fun to have, you know, guests for Shabbos, etc. So some men are, happen to be you know, very, very facile, facile in the kitchen. Not all women appreciate that. They want to be the person who's providing the... the the meals, etc. But that's a burden on them when, when there's a lot of guests. So the husband offers, and the, the woman's uncomfortable with it. So you, you got you just have to, you know, learn to accept that. That this is, yeah, you know, I, I could go into the kitchen and, and do X, Y, and Z, but you know. My wife doesn't want me to. She wants to be the person who's the provider of that for her family. And that means we're limited in the amount of guests we can have because it's too much pressure on her. She's working. She's raising kids. She, she just had a baby a little while back. You know, She's having a difficult time getting back, back to herself emotionally, um, which can happen after a birth. Uh, and she's just not in the mood of having a guests. We're having a lot of guests, you know. Having you know last minute guests when she wasn't you know emotion didn't like sync, psych herself up for it you know I hi there my name is Yakis Herman I just brought home twenty five people I was like you know your wife is not not Mrs Yakis Herman and you're not Yakis Herman so like you know you know somebody one time uh, pointed out to I think Rip Scheinberg that our women nowadays you know don't have the same serious average for tarot. Like, you know, you have these stories about free the generations, like the husbands would leave Motsi Shabbos, they'd be home for Shabbos, Motsi Shabbos they would leave and they would sleep, take a loaf of bread with them and their, their cup, they'd go to the shul and they would have, you know, they would have shul, they would sleep in the base matters the whole week, they'd sleep on the benches, sit and learn the whole week. And they would have, there was hot tea there in the, without sugar, there was hot tea and bread, and that was the way. They'd come over Shabbos, like, you know, an hour to her Shabbos, wash themselves up, go to the mikvah. Friday night they would learn with the kids, you know, to test the boys, etc. They'd spend Shabbos together with the wife, once Shabbos they would leave again, you know. Where's the service never show the women? So Shabbos said, okay, are you ready to spend, uh, eat, eat one loaf of bread as all your food for the whole week, and sleep on the benches in base Medrash? And drink hot, just hot tea without sugar. When you are, you'll get a wife who's ready to do that too. Okay, you're like, what do you want? You know. Um, so, um, 
yeah, but we want to have like you know this beautiful home full of chesed, etc. You know, the first chesed is your wife and your kids, and that's a nice dream, and you know, etc. But you know, sometimes it's not the reality, and it might mean that six months or a year or two years or three years or five years, you're not really having too many guests, right? At some point in your life, maybe you will, maybe you won't, you know. But this is the person that you're committed to and you're responsible for, and you need to focus on what her emotional needs are. Um, you know, and you're, and you're like, I, I had a guy here in yeshiva who told me after he was married for a little bit, he said, you know, when I was a bucker and my, my, a lot of my friends got married, I was really upset because, like, they never mind if invited me for Shabbos students. And I sort of, like, you know, if all my friends are married, like, all the Shabbos invitations, etc. I didn't get any. So now that I'm married, I understand. It's a tremendous pressure on a woman to have a guest. You know, and she has guests, you know, and she wants to spend time with her husband and some time to just have a nice, simple, relaxed meal together. Um, my wife and I made up when we got married that, barring, you know, extenuating circumstances, we have guests one meal only. Another meal is a private meal between the two, but for the two of us or for the family. And we still do that today. This is 33 years of counting. Right. Friday night we have guests, Shabbos day we don't have guests. I, there's a bunch of the guy, a bunch of he's going to starve me, I don't know where to go. I, you know, we'll, we'll, you know. But if I can find somebody else for him, I will find somebody else for him. I will not have him. Shabbos day is, is for my wife and my daughter, you know, for the family. It's not the stories you read about Henny Machlis, you know, when she had like, a, you know, 40 billion people, you know, Friday night, and then she had 17 billion people Friday Shabbos day, and she was always happy, and, you know, the, and the kids would be the most relaxed and, and loved and, you know, cared for children in the world, you know, no, 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 no. Okay, there's an article book about her. About her. Chicken, you know, it's called, um, what's it called? Love with the Moon and Chicken Soup, or something like that, didn't it? Something like that, didn't have a title, title it Chicken Soup with the Moon and Love. I'm one of the chickens up below, I don't know, something like that, you know, the order, what, what goes first. Right. It's a beautiful story, but it's nothing to do with you. You're not Rabbi Machlis, and, and she ain't, your wife ain't Henny Machlis. You know, Allah you know. You know, and, the, and there can be times where you, you need to, to have a private time. You know, the, the, my my Shreer, a very sweet thing. He, um, <clears throat> he, um, like when all the kids moved out, everybody and they moved to Baltimore. I sure bought myself my my sugar a set of china, very expensive china, a set for china for two. And that's what they use when they, they didn't have any other guests. They had their set of china, cobalt china, it's very expensive china. My sugar was a person my sugar used to bring home when he lived in Silver Spring. There was a lot of people that didn't have places. Every shop was my sugar was bringing home guests. Every shop, Friday night and Saturday. You know, my sugar came from that generation, you know, like, you know, you know, through the war, to the refugees, you know, like, you know, you know, like, you know, so you have guests, that's part of life, you know. Our wife's from a different generation, our woman from a different generation, probably now, my sugar was 92 when she passed away, she passed away a year ago, so probably by now it's probably four generations, hence, from that world, you know, three generations hence from that world, you know, and we are cream puffs, and so are our wives. Um, the wonderful people, but you can't do it. And, and you know, and it, it's such a pressure because the wife thinks the husband really would like to have guests, and he's upset if he doesn't have guests. And you know, she feels bad that she let him down if he doesn't guests, and then she feels bad the fact that he doesn't understand the challenges that she has. You know, and there's like this whole volcano, right? 
which, uh, you know, and we read all these, and, and, you know, the same way there's the Gedalim books, you know, they have their stories, um, and they probably can do, the, they sometimes do more damage than they do good, because they don't really explain the challenges and the emotions and the, and the ups and downs that that go with these things. Um, right. So, you know, the the stories about the, the what was it called, the holy woman, the holy woman, you know, whatever, you know, that the, that the, the sadekas and shalayim and this other sadekas, you know, they they're not covered to women, they're not covered to men either to read it, you know. Rebbe sent Batsheva Kanievsky, you know. Rabbi Yasha's daughter, Rai Levine's granddaughter, Rakhim Kanievsky's wife. Like, you know, my wife is not there yet. You know, she'll be get there soon. Like, you know, like, really? You know, like, you know, like, you know, like what do you want from her? Right? So, so now going back to page one. Marriage works if you're willing to work.